On this episode, we discuss me, you, madness. Did it fill us with sadness or gladness? You'll find out at this address on the Flophouse. <laughs> sort of a slant rhyme at the end. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, we're a professional podcast, and I'm Stuart Wellington. We're somewhat of a professional podcast, <laughs> and joining us is a very special guest. Although, can you really be a guest when you're kind of a member of the hey, family? Wait, 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 wait. Yep. You didn't say your name, though. <laughs> I don't know. Nobody cares about my your, name. That was your line. <laughs> Stuart said it. I said my name. Stuart said his name, and then Good you point. Good went point. into introducing Hallie right away. Because I was so excited that Hallie's right. Alert, I'm Elliot Kalen, Hallie. but no one cares about Elliot Kalen. They care about our special guest, Hallie Hagler. <laughs> <laughs> Hallie hails from Denver, Colorado. <laughs> no, that was my going up to the bat. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Okay, Hallie oh, okay. is zero for ten this season. <laughs> Let's see if she can turn <laughs> Actually, the slump around. Too true. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it's good to see your face, Hallie. But also, what? What? Look at this. We're in two different. We're, we're in two rooms, not four, not three, not four. Two rooms. Elliot and Hallie are together yep. in a room on the other coast, and uh-huh. Stuart and I are together in a room. Here. What I like about uh, Elliot and Hallie is that Elliot, it's this like forced perspective thing where Elliot looks like a fucking Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sitting close to the camera. But Dan's right. This is a two room special. If Wait, you wanted that's to make, how they did it. Yes. <laughs> that if you wanted to make that's there's a lot of outtakes ah. of Frodo handing things to Gandalf and them just missing because <laughs> they can't quite get it right. Uh, but if it's a two room special, if you wanted to make a '90s anthology film out of this, you'd have to add two more rooms for the total of four. <laughs> So, Hallie, do you have anything to promote today? Oh, uh, no. (laughs) I guess Hallie is promoting the fact that we are neighbors. We live close by. Yeah, I'm promoting that I left my house to do something today. Very exciting. Check me out on the flop house. (laughs) We are. Thanks. (laughs) You look very happy, too. How to be doing something? Yeah, you have a dreamy look in your eye. There's no, there's no small child here. Well, there is, but it's not mine. No, there are two small Mm. children here, but they're in a different room. Yeah, that's the third room that we. I guess it's technically a three room special. The two of two rooms that the recording podcast people are in, and the third room that my children are in. This is all good. Very yeah. good. This is all good stuff. <laughs> all good stuff. Now, Alex, don't now I cut think a I feel like I feel like Hallie, your your uh, appearances on the show, you've kind of been plagued with bad luck in only the shittiest movies. I feel mm. like we always pick terrible movies to watch. Uh, I'm excited to see if we broke that streak tonight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> let's get right into it. <laughs> is that my job? Yeah. Sure. yeah so Hallie, <laughs> I love how you were like. 
Like, well, it seems like I should take charge here, but then again, I am the guest. Now what? I have I have an image now. Okay, okay. So uh, it's it's the conquering armies of Macedonia. Alexander the Great has been slown, slain in battle. Slown, I was about to say. The girlfriend uh-huh. from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He has been slown yeah. in battle, and it's not that interesting. But there's got to be something about her because Ferris is interested, and he's a super cool jerk, right? Anyway. Yeah. Alexander the Great has been slain in battle. The army needs a new commander. They turn to Halley. They acclaim her. They say, Halley, we need you to step in. And she goes, okay. <laughs> and in that moment, Macedonia turns to a different leader, and Halley has lost her chance to be the conqueror of the Western world. How I does mean, it feel, Halley? Nobody directly asked me to take over. It was only implied, so I don't think that's an analogy. You've got to be one of those people who just takes charge in a chaotic situation, you All know? Right. Okay. Then let's get right into it, folks. So what do we do? Starting with the movie. What do we do on this podcast, Allie? <laughs> we talk about the movie. Okay. <laughs> we talk about the movies in Now, the, the, the bad thing for the listeners is that they didn't see the hand motions that Hallie did when she was like, yeah. let's start it up. <laughs> yeah. A lot of cranking. It was like, it was like a, taking a little rocket ride on, on her pointer finger to the sky. I know. This, uh, ma- this microphone makes me feel like Casey... Queso. <laughs> Perfect impression. No, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Uh, tonight's movie, Me You Madness. No, I I'd like to get something. Now, not off. to be not to be confused with Mutant Madness, the song from the movie Gremlins that was I yeah. think never released Mutant in on the radio. Madness. Yeah, thank you. I I have that song though on. <laughs> On an LP, so oh, oh, that's, I, that's, a, that's a weird <laughs> non-character thing for you to do. Out of yeah, character. out of character for <laughs> to me own to the Gremlin soundtrack. Have. Yeah. Um, anyway, unless uh, it's, unless it's saying? unless it's called Creepy Little Littles, and it's our favorite songs from movies about bad little things. So there's songs from Gremlins, Critters, uh, Ghoulies, Ghoulies, uh, uh, Munchies, Hobgoblins, Munchies. Allie, what mm. ones can you think of? Popples. <laughs> yeah. Popples were, they were like toys. They were like a movie where they killed people. They have a, Mad I think balls. a cartoon, a Popples cartoon. Yeah, I think there was a Popples cartoon. Yeah, yeah Mad Balls, Kushkin. I would say I would say half of the characters in Small Soldiers. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the bad ones, sure. So, Dan, <laughs> uh, so this, the, tell us. Babe. Well, I, was, well, I just wanted to get off the, at the top of the show, I would like to acknowledge that, um, the uh, the Louise Lenton, who's behind this movie, and, and in front Ed of it, we- and Ed Westwick, uh, her uh, male lead, both uh, uh, problematic figures in different ways. Uh, one, the wife of uh, Steve Mnuchin of Trump's cabinet, and also the writer of a weird racially tinged book about when she went to Africa, among other things. Uh, uh, and Ed Westwick, um, you know, uh, accused sexual assaulter. So perhaps... Oh, I, didn't even, I didn't even know about that. I'm glad that you told me before I highly that. praised his performance, <laughs> not, yeah. which I was not uh, going to do. <laughs> I would understand a certain discomfort with this movie. Uh, I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend you give money to Me, You Madness, per se, but uh, well, it was a highly well, requested film. Well, it cost film. money to rent it to watch it for the show, so... <laughs> shut up, Allie, shut We're up. We're all complicit. And now, now that's why Steve We're Mnuchin's rich, because we gave him five dollars each to watch this movie mm-hmm. i'm just saying uh, uh problematic figures uh, uh perhaps even more so than usual but uh, a very uh requested movie a uh, a, uh, a weird movie to exist in the world uh-huh. <laughs> a strange vanity project for uh the uh lead and director and writer 
Um, but uh, we should just get into it after that acknowledgement and after Elliot finishes adjusting his microphone. Thank you. Now, I think, yeah, just to make it sure everyone knows we don't like the people who made this movie. Mm-hmm. And our, our having it on our bad movie podcast where we make fun of movies <laughs> is not in any way an endorsement of the people who made this movie. Yeah. <laughs> this is not an inten- uh, we're not intentionally signal boosting them, even though kind of we are, but we, you know, whatever. Don't well see said. it, just take our word for it. <laughs> if, ever, if ever we were going to say, steal this movie, and we wouldn't, but we would yeah. for this one, I guess. Uh-huh. But not the movie, steal, steal this movie, which is a movie about uh, Abby Hoffman, I think. Yeah. So uh, the movie begins, and the movie is titled "Me, You, Madness." Now, Stuart, take me. What's the what's the punctuation like on this? Are those commas in between periods? What nothing. is it? Nothing. <laughs> you got nothing. There's. It's, I have no no. Wait, is the the title I had had no punctuation? No, it's exactly. It's nude of punctuation, which is weird. Uh huh. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's Later like on, the final chapter of Ulysses. <laughs> <laughs> Later on, we get we get uh, what is. Nearly the title, not not the exact title, but it gives a hint to how one should say it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep, and just like the final chapter of Ulysses, we're introduced right <laughs> off the bat to a real girl boss. That's right, Catherine Black, played by the writer director star. That's a lot of people. A lot of people say that about was it Molly Bloom that she's a real girl boss? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, I said yes. Lean in, I said yes. <laughs> Uh, so Catherine Black is a hedge fund manager. Uh, she's fashionable. She's crass. She eats spiders and she <laughs> runs her company her way. Uh, Dan, is there something wrong with my levels? Am I not? No, I'm just worried that we're getting more, uh, audio bleeds than in the past, but, uh, we'll, we'll you know, see whether our Alex can figure it can out, figure it out. Um, so well, it, how was, do you it was never, it was the... never that much of a problem in the years that we recorded it in the same room. Yeah, true. So uh, I described that she's fashionable. Uh, the movie begins with her wearing a like a white uh, business suit that has shorts, and she has knee high gold boots. That and the whole outfit gets increasingly cheaper the more you look at it. Um, so uh, <laughs> how would you get? How would you? This movie opens fairly stylishly, right? Uh, lot of, I mean, lot of there's a lot of wall breaking and fast editing. Yes, fourth wall breaking, talking to the audience. I mean, she uh, takes us through hanging a she, lampshade on the fact that she's doing a female version of American Psycho yeah. to some degree. That's the thing. A few, uh, you know, five or six minutes in, as soon as you're like, wait a minute, she's a high powered financial person who's immoral and amoral and violent, and she's telling us about her day and how amazing it is. This is kind of a ripoff of American Psycho. She looks at the camera and says, and this is not a ripoff of American Psycho. And it's like, wait a minute, you can't just say that. That's not okay. I kept wondering why I felt so bored, and I think it's because there's a lot of showing and telling. Like, everything (laughs) that you, like, Stuart, the thing about she's really fashionable. Like, not only do you just see her being very fashionable, but she has, like, five monologues where she talks about how fashionable she is and like all the designers she buys and stuff. Yeah. Well, the most, yeah, the most influenced by American Psycho this is, I think is in the long lists of things. Yes. <laughs> the thing everyone loves Everybody's most. Everybody's favorite part of American Psycho. Um, I mean, yeah. uh, and so would, how would you describe her accent? <laughs> well, pan, pan something. Pan yeah, like Peter wealth. Because in real life, she's Scottish, I believe. Yeah. She's lived in America a long time, but her accent sounds like an American trying to do an upper-class British person and failing yeah. somewhat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I feel like, and it's only in the narration, right? In the scenes, she's speaking with like an American accent, right? Well, it it wavers all over the place. Like at a certain point, I'm like, okay, is she tr- like? I know she's Scottish. Is she's tr- is she trying to do British, or is this like a like a uh, like what what mid Atlantic like, like what was what was the old like what do they call yeah like, mid yeah mid mid Atlantic when it was like you could play yeah. like you were from New England or Old England yes yeah like Cary Grant Catherine Hepburn type hard you to know. tell uh, and I don't want to I don't want to make this about anyone's appearance because that's not fair but this it was many times during this movie that as I with with seeing her in the news I had to be like oh wait she's like my age because she carries herself in a way that she is. 15 years older than me. Like she seems like an older woman who is trying to look young when she is less than 40. Yeah, that, I mean, I agree. We shouldn't, we shouldn't. I don't want to harp on her appearance. Other than the fact that the movie harps on it. And it is strange that she talks, like we are meant to believe that Ed Westwick is significantly younger than she is. And he is six years in reality younger than she is and the thing is like they look about the same age because she looks like a wealthy woman who has the means to like try and preserve youth as long as possible and he looks like Mm -hmm. a guy who's maybe lived a little hard so they've met in the middle (laughs) Yeah. yeah 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 no i'm with you i yeah i they both felt like they were older than me for some reason, but that mm-hmm. might be because I'm getting younger every day, you know? Yep. Well, you <laughs> yeah. do have Clean you do living. have Benjamin Button's disease. Yeah, yeah, sad, really. It, was it a always disease? ends up with a dead baby, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> wow. Okay. That, was something, that was something that uh, Daily Show and now uh, last week tonight, uh, writer Tim Carvel said to me one time, he goes, I didn't want to see uh, Benjamin Button. I knew it was just going to end with a dead baby. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> wow. I mean, <laughs> he's got a point. Oh, whew. So okay. Stuart, t- so she's telling us all about how great her clothes are, how sh- how rich yeah, she is. She's, she's amazing like, at business. She, she's mean to her uh, the people who work for her, and she you know she has to deal with all the problems you'd expect her to. Not deal her with, manicurist. Like. That's the thing. Now she's complaining about her. Uh, she's well, I guess she's not that mean to her manicurist, but she's complaining about getting a chip in her hundred and twenty dollar gel manicure, and I'm like. That's kind of reasonable for a gel manicure. Like I was, <laughs> oh wow! Like I mean, I expected her to, like. It, there's a couple times in this movie where they, where they kind of like undershoot how much something now, should you cost. You are or living be. very different lives. Too. Yeah, Dan My, only yeah. gets like ten dollars gel, gel manicures. Are like five dollars <laughs> at most. Wow, then you yeah. get no mm. designs. <laughs> true. Are you using non-vegan? Uh, uh, gel and whatnot. <laughs> Don't give me a trouble, Stuart. <laughs> It just so, it's it's no, it seemed a little weird. Reasonable. Like I expected for this reasonable. character who's okay. like a, a multimillionaire mm. to be like my three hundred dollar man. Whatever it doesn't matter. Well, maybe uh, she just likes you're saying the work he does because she likes playing trivia with him. Yeah, well, that's but the thing is, is she's she's not paying for the manicure so much as for the him company. to come to her house and yeah. spend time yeah, with her. That's true. That's she's like when Jonathan Edwards got that four hundred dollar haircut, and people were like, "It's not that great a haircut." And it's like, "Well, you're paying for the time of the barber to come to your house and do the haircut I'm there." Sorry, like, Jonathan Edwards. Yeah, <laughs> f- yeah, famous. Oh, we all know him. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Edwards, the psychic, and also the Great Awakening preacher. Both of them got four hundred dollars haircuts yeah. from Beyond the Grave. Uh, and yeah, so other than that, like 
I think she, I mean, we mainly just hear her describe her like workout routines, her daily life where she wakes and up at five in the morning. And then we see it. We also see it. Yeah. We also yeah. see it. Yep. A lot right. of show and tell, a lot of see and say. Yeah. Or say and there's see. A, there's, a, there's a lot of neon. Uh, both her home is decorated with a lot of neon light sculptures. And she also all like the place that she goes to do spin class is all drenched in neon and black lights. Yeah. You get uh, the feeling make- that she, she, uh, she hired Neg- Nicholas Wending Reifen as her interior decorator for every place that she goes to. <laughs> Which would explain some of the blood. <laughs> she also, uh, we also learned that she is dealing with, uh, she has, uh, she's hired a potential house sitter which we later learn is a ruse, but she is running late, and so we get to see her speeding along Pacific Coast Highway 1 after she describes the expensive car that she owns, and we get to see a lot of shots of the expensive car that she owns. Uh, but other than that, we don't get a lot of exteriors. Um, the uh, We don't get a lot of shots of her actually driving the car. I'm assuming it was very expensive. Yeah. And they there, uh, ironically, there are more exteriors in the movie interiors than there are in this movie. <laughs> Well, I feel like this movie was just like a ridiculous, like it may, I didn't, okay, I didn't look up anything about this movie until Good. after I watched it. Good, stay And pure. I was so stay- bored watching it. And then when I looked stuff up, I was like, oh, this movie is so much more interesting now. I wish I had had this information. Like I didn't realize that it was Steve Mnuchin's wife until I, after the movie. Um, but yeah. I kept being like, how did she get all this money to spend on the movie? Because all of the music in it, I mean, yes. she must have had to pay so much for the rights to The soundtrack music. is full of actual 80s hits, the original recordings, the original artists, not covers. Like the soundtrack must have, yeah, must, that was what it kept hitting me. I was like, you can spend a bunch to rent a sports car for a day. For a shoot, you can rent a mansion for a couple days. It's not impressive. Porn does it all the time, but mm-hmm. to but to pay for that soundtrack <laughs> is crazy. It <laughs> must have, have been a huge tenderness by general public play over your final credits. Now you're running into money. Yeah, just like I mean, that, that wasn't the one that I was going to say, but <laughs> no, I know. but no, there's a lot. There, there is a lot of them. Hallie, it's interesting that you say that though, because like Audrey, when. I was watching this. We I, this is actually the second time I've seen me you madness because there's like a bad movie watching like friends stream where the, like people played it before and she was and, like and Dan Do you doesn't guys understand know this yeah Dan doesn't understand Stuart? that he only has one life to <laughs> live on this earth. <laughs> yeah we know about Dan well, I don't, we know, I don't, we I don't know have, that Dan is watching bad movies outside of the podcast yeah, you I can't, don't you can't just this, children but, like you you can't yeah. just tip tip the hourglass of your life on its side and put it on pause. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just going to put it on pause for the second time I watch Me You Madness. <laughs> but uh, so she like walked in partway through, having seen it with me before, not watching it obviously the second time because she has better things to do. But she was like, "Do you think this would be more or less interesting if it was you know like other or like you would like it more or less?" if there were other actors in these roles, because the actors in it are not equal to the task, but the, the only thing that's interesting about it overall really is like, Oh shit. That's Steve Mnuchin's wife doing this vanity project where she's kind of like trying to justify the fact that she's so rich by being like, no, I'm in on the joke guys. No, I get it. I get it. That rich people are horrible. See, I made this movie about how rich people are evil. Just like, well, and I would say, I think the movie is really, it's a, I mean, it is a crazy movie, but it is much less interesting to me if it's not Steve Mnuchin's wife. Yeah. And if you and if you had better performers in it, 
it would not achieve the strange pitch of uh, <laughs> no. like just bizarre amateurishness that looks professional. Like the same way that um, one of the reasons the disaster artist doesn't quite work for me is seeing real performers doing those scenes from the room. Yeah. It doesn't achieve the same weird magic as seeing people who have no idea what they're doing playing those scenes. But like the performers in this are so off and everything about it is off and yet it looks so professional because she has so much money to spend on it. And knowing that like this guy who was busy like helping wreck the country that his wife was <laughs> off making this movie where she like keeps showing her butt in it while he he's like the secretary mm-hmm. of the treasury is a very like the backstory makes the movie <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. I think of those pictures of him like smiling because <laughs> he has a very like you know shitty smile like yeah. he's got a shitty smile mm-hmm. and I just couldn't get that shitty smile out of my out of my mind. Um, so, and you uh, wonder, we, you have to imagine Steve Mnuchin, the Secretary of the Treasury, is like is having to tell his wife why he's not going to screen it at the White House for the president. <laughs> this movie that she made, I bet yeah. that he would have been into it. I feel like I like imagining the her when she wrote the script and passed it over to him, and he was like finishing it in bed, and she was lying next to him, like, mm-hmm. "Well, what do you think?" <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's adorable that you think they share a bed and they don't have separate rooms. <laughs> They just got married. They're still in love, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. They're still in the first yeah. glow of young love. No, Steve Mnuchin's totally into it. Let's let's be clear. <laughs> oh, because well, there's also the part, this is the gross part of it to me, is I imagine Steve Mnuchin is like, yeah, make a movie about how hot you are. I want everyone to see how hot my wife is in this movie, which is creepy, but it's also, I guess, there's a big history of that in movies, going all the way back yeah. to Joseph Kennedy Making producing movies for his mistress Gloria Swanson to star in. <laughs> okay, so let's so get the, unfin- to the, movie. the unfinished uh, Queen Kelly footage of which was used in Sunset Boulevard, where Gloria Swanson and Eric von Stroheim, the original I mean, director we of Queen Kelly, were playing characters who were an actress and a man who had directed her. It's just the wheels within wheels in Sunset Boulevard, a brilliant movie that is not this one. I like watching Hallie's face during all of this, where she's like, well, I guess I still am happy to be out of the house. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I keep thinking of things that I uh, wanted to say earlier, but it's moving so fast. Oh, the person that I wanted to say when we were talking about her accent, she sounds exactly like, for the Real Housewives fans out there, Dorit from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. That's what she talks like. Okay, that's all. Okay, I don't know that's why. Fair. I turned to Stuart, because I was like, if anyone here has seen Real Housewives of Beverly Hills other than Hallie, it's Stuart. I was going to say, she, like, her, she kind of gives off some like real housewives energy in this movie oh very much so yeah i mean yeah i feel like she's she's living the dream every real housewife has of being rich and being able to murder at will Uh uh-huh and yeah so over the course of her narration where she's describing her possessions and her lifestyle she keeps uh sprinkling in uh hints that she is also a psychotic murderess Um, so she has to rush home because as I mentioned before, she has, uh, put out an ad for a house sitter to watch her, uh, Malibu mansion. I think, I think she's actually looking for a roommate roommate. is the thing. She's looking to rent out the, uh, the extra bedroom in her house. Oh, okay. Which is why it's like her justification, her justification for why she needs to rent the room is that she travels a lot and she needs someone to watch She does need a house sitter. Yeah, that's true. Like in the hit movie of the same name. Now, we do get a shot of her driving up uh, the coast, and the whole time I was looking for my friend Chris's house, but I, di- I didn't see it. Um, <laughs> Your friend. <so, laughs> friend, of the, friend of the podcast, Chris's house. Um, so, uh, she, so she meets this guy immediately. We get nothing but sexual uh, chemistry here. Uh, she takes a long time to make a drink, too. There are a number of times where she does things in the movie that take much longer than a normal human being would take to do them. Uh, yeah, so we got t- we're introduced to Tyler, who's the other lead played by the guy whose name I don't remember. Ed Westwick of Gossip Girl. 
And yeah, he, very disappointing because at first I thought it was Britney Spears' boyfriend, and that's what wow. he looks like. That would be some casting. That would add a whole new layer. Oh, to how would everything. you get him? How could you possibly land him? He's one of the biggest <laughs> stars in the world. <laughs> so this guy Tyler is like a real Joe Millionaire type, uh, just a real <laughs> six pack. I mean, you know. except he doesn't have a million. He's not a millionaire. That was the whole thing. Joe. That's millionaire the whole was, thing about was, Joe Millionaire. He doesn't he was, have a million dollars. No, oh, he, that's right. I forgot. That was the. Pr- I was thinking of. Do you want to marry a millionaire? Where it turned out the guy had like one point one million dollars. That's uh-huh, right. No. This is that's, that's right. Show. Joe Millionaire is the one where they trick ladies, right? Right. <laughs> yes. But I think he only had like one point one million dollars. Also. Oh, okay. Uh huh. And he's so and, poor. <laughs> and similar to Joe Millionaire, Tyler is trying to trick one lady here because he is not looking to be a roommate. He is looking to steal her stuff. He has a game going on where he answers ads to be rich people's roommates. <laughs> And then he steals their stuff, which is the stupidest con, because they'll just find him, right? It's yeah, not it like, like there's a lot of there would be some correspondence. And yet, when she finds trail. him later, he acts like this has never happened before. Yeah, yeah. he's like, I can't believe anyone uh, saw through my ruse. Yeah, I do want to take a moment here as we are uh, introduced to Ed Westwick's character, who um, Tyler. Yeah, who not the creator, particularly in these early scenes, but throughout the movie has been lit to give his eyes and mouth a weird pink-purple uh, color. Uh, but like, I, I'm I'm, saying, I like, didn't notice that. I mean, maybe he's just... A, I didn't Go notice back it. and look at it. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just lighting a, on his face. Maybe I'm just addicted to... I just know that he has a spice addiction. Spice, of <laughs> course, being in Dune, the drug that allows you to bend time, but it turns your eyes violet blue after a while uh-huh. when you become addicted to it, yeah. That's Elizabeth Taylor, right? She had violet eyes. Yeah, and white diamonds. These have I always was, brought me luck. <laughs> I was sure that the only thing you guys would want to talk about was how weird the lighting on this guy's face. Did not notice. No. Anyway, uh, I just want to say you. We you are not the little we- beard. You ridiculed me for having seen this before, but the 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 thing I wanted to say. You're right. Is if the, only we'd seen it the second time, we would have noticed his weird face lighting. No, we could no, have talked about it for hours. He's, he's part of Payette Pree's warlock coven. I am referring to the fact that the, when I saw it before. It came with a little bit of a pre-show that had been edited together by the the screener of Me You Madness, which was I don't know whether it was from the electronic press kit for Me You Madness. I assume I don't think that there was a lot of actual interviews that happened for this movie, but it was the two of the leads being interviewed and Louise Linton like talking, like so at length, so happily about her vision for this movie and like what a great like rapport she and uh, Ed Westwick had and Ed Westwick looking like he was in a hostage video, like wondering how his career had gotten to this place, like how soon he could get out, like how few words he could say in this So room. Dan, are you saying that we should just find a recording of you doing uh, that instead of listening to this podcast? What? Maybe. <laughs> doing what? <clears throat> wait, so wait, you said you saw it for like a switch. Never mind, forget it. So, do you think? So, you're saying you don't think they did a lot of press for this movie, in person press? So, like, they never got interviewed by George Whipple or something? <laughs> <laughs> for Whipple's World? Yeah, for Whipple's World, the no, guy with the giant that. eyebrows who just had a baby for like two years ago, which is insane because he looks like a million years old. <laughs> yeah, but that baby's got huge eyebrows too. It all checks yeah. out. It's, yeah. A Whipple gop- gossip podcast. Hey, it's. <laughs> Looks like that's a baby, and it's mine. Welcome to the Welcome to the Whip House, the only place we talk about Whipple. Anyway, so 
Stuart, what happens after she meets Tyler? There's instant chemistry, right? Yep. So that, and we get a little bit of a cat and mouse because we know that she's got a scheme going on. We don't quite know what it is yet. And uh, Tyler is also a thief. So they're like, both of them are trying to play the other one, I guess. It's kind of weird. It's hard to read. She takes him on a tour of the uh, of the home. She keeps trying to give him booze. She has a couple she, she, different costume changes. She lifts an enormous barbell, like a cartoonishly large yes, barbell. It's <laughs> hilarious. There's a lot of weird music. Uh, there's jokes about lifting weights. She's like clearly stalking him. And the home, it's, it's like a very long, slim home with windows all over it. Mm. Yeah. And a lot of neon. A lot of neon, yeah, and a very small kitchen. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's more, it's like it's like a like a kitchen nook, and it's like I get I guess it's for someone who does not cook. But yeah, yet she, she does only, she has cook. A half of a grapefruit mm. and what what's her breakfast and an egg, but then she eats human beings later. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> that's and true. she's such an she excellent cook. That's they true. Go on yeah. and on about it, and she uh-huh. and she it's not. I'm just gonna tell you, there's not enough space in that kitchen to cook a human being. I know she butchers mm-hmm. them in the garage, but that's it's just not enough space to do the work no. you need. Well, and at one point she says that he ate perhaps a combination of five different people, which would mean she's juggling five different bodies in that kitchen. Yeah, it and seems also, unrealistic. I think we found the like problem with the movie, It's like human gumbo guys. or something. She I mean, that's human gumbo. Don't knock it until you try it. <laughs> <And that's>, I mean... <laughs> That's just showing off her affluence too, because I can't believe that those five different people tasted different enough that that there's any point other than showing off. Well, no, she fed one of them all nothing but acorns, and one of them oh, nothing but okay. like pecorino cheese. Like you know, it, it brings uh-huh. a slightly different flavor to the flesh. Well, uh, and she also we so, were doing a, a Hannibal podcast all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, the movie kind of becomes it goes from being like cut rate. Uh, American Psycho to cut rate Hannibal at a certain point, yeah. but and she also she she's she's trying to mess with him now, and she tells him she can fly, and then laughs at him like I can't fly, and that was the point when I was watching the movie where I felt like a hostage, where it <laughs> felt like when you were like at a, a friend takes you to another friend's house that you don't know that well, and those friends start getting high, and then the friend who brought you is like I just got to go use the bathroom and leaves, and suddenly it's forty five minutes later, and you don't know what's going on and why you're with these people. <laughs> That's what this movie felt like to me. I apologize about that, Elliot. I just had to go to the bathroom for a long time. I mean, that was I at a certain point. I was just worried about you, and then you came back, and you were all sweaty, and you were like, "We gotta go." I clogged it, and, we, and I was like, "Thank goodness." Uh-huh. And I tried to like pick some of it up and put it out the window, but I couldn't. I couldn't get the window all the way up, so I was just like pushing it through like a mail slot. Do you think? Do you? Do you think that was a scene that was originally written for Dumb and Dumber, and then Jeff Daniels was like, "No, I'm not doing that." Yes. Put as many. <laughs> fart noises underneath my violent diarrhea. This movie diarrhea. has a lot of fart noises. Um, so uh, let's see. So she uh, finally gets Tyler to have a drink with her. Uh, of course, she gets he gets drugged. He passes out. She has another costume change and leaves him on the couch. And then she gets her nails fixed. And she has a fun scene with her uh, her nail stylist. Uh, and then she does a comedic workout routine with a ton of sound effects. Uh, there's a lot of boings. Oh like, wait, is this is this this is the scene where she's like in like this like thong unitard? Yeah, but like there's a lot of like yeah like weird sound effects. Yeah, it's added. like a, it's like she she was like I ran out of money for the '80s pop hit, so I got to do the <laughs> Hanna Barbera sound effects well, CD. Well, I kind of felt like this was like the humble brag of movie scenes because it's like it's like it's clear that she wanted to show off like. 
oh, I've got a good body, but I'm going to m- undercut it by putting a lot of like fart noises underneath <laughs> it or whatever. I think like, I think they were like, this scene isn't playing for comedy like I thought it would. Yeah. We need to juice it up, right? I, yeah, mean, I mean, I'm I'm the only one here who isn't a comedy writer, so yeah. maybe you guys can correct me. That's true. Hallie, as a professional, if you had a scene that wasn't working, would you just throw a bunch of Hanna-Barbera sound, cartoon sound effects underneath? <laughs> yeah, that sounds funny. <laughs> <laughs> Like a squeaky door while yeah. she's doing her squats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The like the like bongo running sounds of a Flintstone run, jumping up in the air and running away. Yeah, sure. Wait, but then isn't the following scene when she's like, I really have to take a shit. And then she goes <laughs> to take a shit, but then it cuts to her and she's like also masturbating? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think now, that might I be. I was yeah. wondering if at first, at first I'm like, <laughs> is she using her arm to like coax the shit out? <laughs> <laughs> Again, something Jeff Daniels was asked to do in Dumb and Dumber and said, no, I'm not going to do that. Which, which reminds me of back in high school, my friend Jim had us all convinced that there was a part of your taint that if you pushed on it, it would make you, <laughs> it would make you shit super fast. And we're like, I don't believe you. And he's like, I'll show you. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. And then one guy, Doug, was like, I tried it, dude, and it works. And I'm like, I don't believe you, though. Yeah. Oh man, the turbo and shit button. For months, you're just pressing every single point, trying to, and then like you're yeah, like, yeah. maybe I have to be more exact and using chopsticks to try to get like yeah, this, yeah. just the one pour. You and know? you're making little X's on all the spots you've covered, <laughs> so you yeah. don't retrace your yeah. steps. And and uh, and I was day thirty two quadrant like, I'm quadrant twelve. No luck. Yeah, and 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 Pete Postlewaite sticks his head out of the toilet and goes, "He's trying different places. He's learning, clever girl." <laughs> Okay, so, uh, yeah, so she, at this point, she makes a casserole out of human flesh, Mm -hmm. and she wakes Tyler up to join her. Uh, She's, I wrote down, she was like, she's like bragging about how smart she is, and she says that she has an IQ of 173, which again, I'm like, you could, you could juice that up a little, lady, like. That's not like crazy high. It could go over like two hundred. Oh, I don't know. I mean, like what one, like one, one twenty-five or above is genius. I feel. I mean, like I, I feel like if you're already putting cartoon sound effects on your workout, just say you got an IQ of three hundred and fifty. Yeah. Like, that's go what for I'm it. saying. It. Yeah, it's already so goofy. Um, Wait, not one twenty-five. Anyway, and it's around now when you know Dan has an he, IQ of one twenty-five. He is. He, <laughs> they told me I was a genius. Look. <laughs> Tyler obviously obviously is weirded out because he knows he's been drugged. He wants to get the fuck out of there. Um, And then, of course, uh, her uh, Catherine's friend, lover, accomplice character arrives and they convince Tyler to stay by... I don't know, like implying there's a threesome that's going to happen. I mean, it's uh, implying it. They almost stated outright. Yeah. Um, And I, I I miss this new character's name. Her, she's Yu Yan, is okay. her name. Yeah, and she's she speaks mostly in Chinese, almost exclusively in, Mandarin. Right? In Mandarin, to uh, to and Louise Linton speaks back to her in or whatever the character's name is, Catherine in Mandarin. Catherine Black. And, yep. And uh, and they just are talking openly in Mandarin about how they're going to eat this guy, and he's like, hey hey, well you know, <laughs> da, 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 da. like it's it goes on for a while. Mandarin, huh? Well. This so is this is this is after the weird non sequitur bit about how he fix a child's bike that happens to be in her kitchen, right? And I don't know well, why that it's was there. The first indicator, Elliot. That uh, that she sees that there's some value in this man. Yeah, demonstration of value, dude. No, but why does she have a child's bike? It's her nephews. Oh, she doesn't yeah. really have nephews, yes, though. Yes, she right? does. I think. <laughs> like anyway, mm. it's just a. Wait, do you think weird, the sister it's, character is completely made up? No, I think it's real. I okay. think yeah. it's real because I thought I thought she was made up, maybe. 
But then there's the bike. And then also it's in the same breath as she's talking about her granny, who we later learn is not made up. So I feel like it's all okay, real. Maybe when she talks about family, it's real. all I know is he refers to the bike's pedals as going anti-clockwise, which is not a thing that I've ever yes. heard anyone say. <laughs> yes. At that point, I'm like, did they make this movie in Canada? What's going on? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's kind of interesting because her character for a person who is like super rich and murders people, she's not like a good liar, right? Like she's oh, pretty, no. she's pretty open about everything. Yeah. So that's why I just assumed that her the story about her sister was true. Okay. Um, so they they have a lovely dinner of human meat, um, mm-hmm. and it's here where we get another bit of uh, which they eat with chopsticks, right? That was weird. I think so. It's just the preparation style, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it was this very is also pale meat. It looked like tofu. Sorry. Mm. Go ahead. I mean that would that I, I haven't eaten human testicles. Maybe when prepared a certain way, they look. <laughs> I mean, like I've tofu. got to assume they were not eating real human meat on camera. Which so I think probably whatever meat they were doing was was <laughs> pale. Was maybe chicken with or something. with as much money as that's they have. You think they'd go the extra mile? That's fair. That's fair. They could have done it. Uh, and uh, and he gives her some some solid investment advice, right? Uh huh. And it, and oh. it, it, we find out that that he's a gamer. <laughs> Which, uh, was, Which really turns her on for some it does, reason. Well, yeah. this scene makes makes me mad because like Louise Lynn's character is 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 impressed. Like one of her lackeys calls is like, "Oh, the uh, this stock of ours is dropping. What should I do with it?" And she wants to sell. And he's he explains like, "No, no, no. You should hang on to that one for a while." And his brilliant analysis is like. That a big game that's going to be good is coming out soon, and it's uh-huh. like if this was a big enough investment that she's getting a call about it at dinner, she they will know enough to be like, oh, what's the game <laughs> release schedule? Is a good game going to come out? Like this is not a fucking genius stock tip that he comes out with. So, hey, look, yeah, so, he's just a subscriber to Game Pro magazine. Yeah, yeah, he he's and he's a subscriber to Game Pro, so he gets that extra page that they put in that gives mm-hmm. you all the extra information. Yeah, uh huh. And it sometimes comes with a CD-ROM for you to play uh, demos of your favorite PS One games. Yeah. Um, it sounds like a good deal. So, of course, at Dan, this point... Dan, have you thought about subscribing to GamePro? Because I'd love to hook you up. Hey, they call me GamePro Galen, and I, I dabble in selling GamePro subscriptions. Hallie, Stu, Dan, are you ready to take your gaming to the pro level with GamePro uh-huh. Magazine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Hallie is ready. Yeah, Hallie and I are ready. <laughs> so I think Dan's the holdout over here. <laughs> yeah, Dan, what't the matter? You, you, don't you see what your friends are taking your gaming to the pro level? Are you, he seems you still, comfortable you, at the the amateur level for some if reason. If you want to stay with Game Am, not a magazine, <laughs> just a just a poor, pitiful way of life, sure. But if you're ready to level up to Game Pro, give me a call. Okay, I'll keep it in mind. Thanks. Uh, so, I think it's very funny yes. that there was a ga- there was a Game Pro magazine back when you could not be a professional video game player, but now you can. And I don't and, know if that magazine's pr- still around. Print magazines are, are having a rough time. Maybe uh, only the people who are real professionals get it. Maybe it's like a oh, private subscription. It's like like uh, the oh, Cook yeah. Report or one of those things where you have to subscribe to a newsletter. Yeah. Wait, mm-hmm. I you can get the Cook Report, can't you? Yeah, if you subscribe to it. But now I'm saying maybe it's like a... Like a secret one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like hey, Raya. Dan. You have to apply for it. Dan, don't you yeah, want to be exactly. cool and get a secret magazine? It's called Game Pro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it about video games? Because I kind of usually buy one and then sort of am interested in it for a couple of days. I keep thinking like, oh, this is the one that got me back into gaming. And then I'm like, 
oh, I forget that I mm-hmm. own it and I stopped playing and I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And and so you're just stuck like with this. Ga- you're stuck with this gamer chair. And yeah. All the game fuel that you bought. And you've already yeah. taken out the billboards advertising your Twitch live streams. So you're, you uh-huh. just got to sit there in the chair and be this like, what was I doing this? Any articles about Bubble Bobble? <laughs> uh, you I'm are in for. luck, my friends, because <laughs> I will go write some right now and <laughs> print them out on regular <laughs> printer paper and just stick them into your copy of the magazine. What a, com- what a commitment. <laughs> uh, so at this point, they all do Molly and they dance around in swimsuits and fur coats. Uh he- Tyler throws Catherine in the pool, which I assumed, based on everything else about her character, she would be very annoyed by, but she's she rolls with it. Um, at this point, this is when I start realizing that I don't think we're going to get other locations in this movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. We're like 40 minutes in. At one point, you see Tyler in his car somewhere, mm-hmm. just sitting oh, there yeah. parked. Eat, eating tacos, yeah. Yeah, oh, and Los Feliz, but it did not look like Los Feliz, though. No. He's a very messy eater, too. Oh, for sure. Well, you know, he's because he's a slob to her snob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a yin and yang that way. Opposites attract MC Scat Cat. You know what I'm talking beauty about. And, the, yeah. Yeah, beauty, beauty and the Beast, otherwise known as Paul Abdul and MC Scat Cat. <laughs> Have you guys, so the original video for Opposites Attract, MC Scat Cat, he kidnapped Paul Abdul, and then she oh. fell in love with him anyway. Very problematic. But yeah. it's the Beauty and the Beast story. Tale as old as time, you know. Uh-huh. Song as old as rhyme, that song being Opposites Attract. Anyway, Stuart... <laughs> So uh, this is around. It's around here where we get a fairly chaste, uh, straightforward sex scene. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of like kissing and like I'm, I can only imagine like some some super vanilla missionary stuff. What, no, are, I just what love, are you laughing about? I just about? love that you're like the way it was being described. Like you get a you know a chaste sex scene, a lot of kissing. You know <laughs> your usual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, but the, I mean, this is a movie that's kind. It's been kind of wacky. It's yeah. been a little silly, and it also is about like like a, a super intense murderess. You would assume that it would have been like, I don't know, I just assumed if she, she specifically said that like one of her addictions is sex, I would imagine this would have been like more than just, you know, like a PG. Not well, what if, kinky enough, Stuart's Yeah, well, I, went, I, so I think this is where the intention of the movie, which is to be real like – transgressive and shocking and and challenging meets the rubber hits the road of what Louise Linton actually wants to do with this actor as the creator of the movie and since she is the director and writer she can't be uh, blue blue is the warmest colored into having a more extreme scene than she would actually be comfortable with so instead I imagine there were a lot of ground rules about what Westwick could and could not do in this scene and that's what happened. Or otherwise, the character is a sex addict, but she's addicted to vanilla sex, a real vanilla holic. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah, you could be an alcoholic, but you only drink like Miller Lite or whatever. It's a, you know, oh, it's man. the quantity, <laughs> not the quality. Yeah. That's, that's true. Like that's, that's a lot like of bulk you put on, though. But I'm not sure in which direction, like pro yeah. or against. <laughs> but it's the but it's one of these things where the it is the one part of the movie where it feels like uh, a a woman taking control of a film, you know, which is weird since so much of the rest of the film is the movie kind of like ogling her body, but I guess it's on her terms. So I guess if there's anything positive about this movie, it's a woman presenting her body on her terms rather than on the male gaze terms, but otherwise Put she's it a terrible person. And it's a bad movie. So. Yeah. Slap it on the, on the poster. If the uh, yeah, quote, Elliot Kalin of the Flophouse raves, if there's anything good about this movie, it's a woman taking control of her own body on film, you know? So, and this is, this is a clear, uh, turn in their relationship. Because before it was fairly, they were like 
kind of fighting and it was a little bit of cat and mouse and she was clearly like stalking him to what end we don't quite know yet to uh, kill an even point, probably yeah but at, yeah but at this point she now like they they have a very uh emotional connection in the morning uh they seem to actually be like a couple at this point um and then they manage to get uh she she leaves him in the home and goes uh, goes to the gym where she murders a rude guy uh, <laughs> in like I think like the only murder in the movie which I'm like I could have used more murders right that's true yeah I mean also- a movie with with madness in the title you kind of assume there's going to be more murder unless it's marble madness in which case you expect more marbles <laughs> but and- during the during that scene though is that's when he's dancing around right yes uh-huh. get, that's when twinkle his, toes yeah yeah he gets his big satin robe dance off Hallie, i loved that tell us this is something for the ladies I right i loved that it was very fun to see him dance don't you think in his little <laughs> yeah. robe and his in his work he had, boots like, doc martin boots yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know i, I yeah nothing i mean more except it was just fun you know it explains how late point, like right? later on he he or clearly falls fun, for her right <laughs> yeah, that's that's what we're here for. Fun, okay. like he falls for her later, and I, it's clearly because he's he's he has so much fun dancing around in her house, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. I can sense that while I was gone, you had a great time dancing. <laughs> uh, but when she comes back, she's covered in blood, and they have a big fight because uh, he's being supportive and clingy, and she's a murderer who needs space. And she, she, she's like, if he's around me, I'm going to eventually murder him, and I love him now, so I don't want to murder him anymore, so I want him to leave. It's oh, some complicated yeah. dynamics going on time. in Mew Madness. Yeah, it, it tells as old as time, song as old as rhyme, lady and the victim. Tramp, <laughs> yep. So she, lady uh, so and she, the tramp, song she as old like as a, spaghetti. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they no call one it rem- Bella Notte. <laughs> No one remembers any of the other scenes. Lady and the Tramp. There was a little Scotty dog that they thought was an ottoman, right? Oh, yeah. no, maybe I'm thinking yeah. of uh, Beauty and the Beast now. Uh, there is no. an ottoman that's a dog. Well, there's an yeah, ottoman, the... yeah, no, but there's but also it... a Scotty dog in Lady and the Tramp. Yeah. And you've there's you've the, combined there's them into... the racist scene at the yeah, end the of the Siamese, Yeah, with Siamese uh, cats. cats, yeah. So you've, you've combined uh, them into a movie called Beauty and the Beast and Lady and the Tramp, which is, I guess is about swinging? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fucking Italian chef at the restaurant's happy. <laughs> okay, so uh, she has a sad shower montage uh, where she's, uh, you know, you know, she's getting, uh, she's getting all the blood off her. Uh, I think this is when Elliot gets to see her butt, and uh, <laughs> but not her boobs. You think you keep thinking you're going to see her boobs, and then you don't see her boobs because a secretary of the treasury's wife has to have some limits, Sally. Yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. true. So, and while she's doing that, Tyler steals her car and a bunch of her jewelry and drives away. Uh, and he tells his friend, he's like, I got all the stuff. Uh, let's sell it all. Um, then she uh, realizes that he's robbed her. Um, she starts wearing T-shirts and jeans instead of crazy uh, dresses. Uh, she realizes that she's kind of falling for him and is kind of knocked off her game. So she's going to try and track him down and crush him and kill him. Uh, so she, what, finds his phone? How does she track him down? Uh, no, she left a dead car. body in the car he stole. Yeah. That's why she oh, had to track him down. Yeah. That makes sense. I forgot about that, too. And Yeah, she and she tracks down his phone, and she calls him and is like, bring my car back. I, I've already hacked and figured out all the other addresses you've 
you've stolen things from, and I'm going to call the NYPD, which I thought was kind of crazy because they're in Los Angeles. It's totally out of the NYPD's jurisdiction. But they, they call her on that, right? That was really funny. I thought that was genuinely funny. And she was like, I'm calling the NYPD. And they were just like, you mean the LAPD, right? And I was, I had been looking at my phone at this point, and I was like, wait. That's such a weird joke that has nothing to do with anything. I yeah, Allie, I, I gotta say, there's a there's a there's a joke coming up pretty soon that I laughed fairly hard at, genuinely. So we'll get to that as well. So uh, she basically, yeah, she basically blackmails him into giving back her car. Uh, so he, she, and then she has a montage trying to decide how she's going to murder him. She talks about a bunch of different movies. She talks about a bunch of different uh, she, weapons. She, she's trying to sing. Uh, she she wants a weapon that hasn't been in a movie before, and so she's picking up weapons and saying what movies they're in. And one of them she says is James Bond, which is not a movie. <laughs> well, also one of the weapons she picks up is just a gun. <laughs> so then she lists off a bunch of movies that guns have been in. <laughs> That's true. And and the, what I like is that a lot of the movies that she lists are like pretty current like they're not all classics so it feels like it's like me dumb moviegoer who's doing the movie quiz and all the answers are the movies that are currently playing at the movie theater i'm like <laughs> thanks i'm glad i don't i don't need a fucking criterion channel subscription yeah, here to, to, to be able jumble. to participate in the, the finally quiz. finally Should a movie for me list a gun and betty lou's handbag omitted <laughs> no, no. forgotten classic <laughs> is tim daly in that one uh, it's Penelope. What's her name? Penelope right? Ann Miller's the main one, yeah. but maybe I'm crossing from Kindergarten. I'm thinking Cop? of Year of the Comet because <laughs> she was in that with Tim Daly, but she, I don't think she's in the other one. But I don't think anyone in the year in, a, in the Year of the Comet has a gun in their handbag. No, no. There's mm-hmm. a gun. No, you're comet, thinking of yeah, Inner Space, comet. where a woman has a gun in her handbag. Yes, yes. Mm. I was no. I was thinking of Outer Space, uh, where the planets are. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. So uh, she, he returns back to the home. Uh, I think it one it, like before he even goes inside, he has a fantasy of them hooking up again. Hey guys, uh, so, hold, sorry, hold up, hold up. Just, just breaking news. Okay. <laughs> Dan has a medium madness scoop. Oh, after, he's checking his phone. No, after Penelope Ann Miller. You heard it here first, folks. It's after a breaking Penelope. piece of news about the gun in Betty Lou's handbag. <laughs> we we interrupt this previously scheduled episode of the Flophouse to bring you this this Betty Lou handbag gun bulletin. We go now to Dan McCoy live in his apartment. Dan, God, guys, you'll never believe what I found out. After okay. Penelope Ann Miller and Eric Ty, who are the the leads of the gun and Betty Lou's handbag. Who do you think are the next two top billed people in this movie? Catherine Zeta Jones. That's a good guess. Timothy Chalamet. Guess. Not such a good guess. He wasn't I'm gonna really say, operative during these years. I'm going to say Dick Miller. No. The, the, Greta Garbo. Oh, wait, wait, let's keep guessing. Yeah, okay. yeah, let's keep guessing. We'll figure it out. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Bill- Shue. That's a good guess. I mean, Bill- Billy Barty. Andrew McCarthy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Third and fourth build in this movie, Alfred Woodard and Julian Moore are the wow. like, like what fucking star power in the gun and Betty Lou's pan bag. That's how movies work. Oftentimes, before people are famous, they're in other movies too. <laughs> I know, but 
It's not all. That is more acting power than I thought I was going to find. It's not all Audrey Hepburn going straight to the top with Roman Holiday. (laughs) Often people don't debut as the stars of movies. Anyway, uh, a nation reels as this information hits us. This new development in the story of Betty Lou's handbags gun. Be with Um, your families tonight. (laughs) We'll return with more updates as events warrant. We now return to the previously scheduled episode of the Flophouse. Me, you, madness. So uh, Tyler shows up to her home. It's dark. Uh, he, he takes a knife to defend himself. Uh, he runs into Catherine, who is wearing a gold facial mask because she thought she had more time to uh, have a facial. Uh, but he managed to get there because traffic uh, wasn't as bad as he expected. Uh, as somebody who doesn't live in L.A., I don't know what that's like. Um, and then they have uh, a little bit of a jokey conversation about how he is wearing the jewelry he stole and how, you know, it actually looks pretty good on him. And, you know, this honestly, this scene is the part that I was talking about before that that genuinely made me laugh. I thought it was funny when she had like had all this in her mind based on the ways <laughs> estimate. And then he's like, oh, well, there was a there was a uh, an accident that cleared up pretty fast. <laughs> and so he surprised her. While she has like her like facial mask on, and then is, they, they had a dumb end to the scene that I didn't like. But is this the one where, where they say they're the cutest, and they just keep saying that, that was no. terrible again? That's that later. Was the worst. Oh, that's later. That's, this is when her face mask falls off like a piece of baloney. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was when I really like laughed. a woman who said baloney on her face at some point. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but then they acted like it was really embarrassing, and I didn't think it was funny anymore. Yeah, he no. was. They, they were like making a comment about how it's not a good look, and I'm like, no, she looks like a superhero kind of like she looks. It's, it looks like a little yeah. domino mask now. Guys, I have yeah. another gun in Betty Lou's handbag. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, we interrupt. We once again break into this episode of the Flophouse for another update in the ongoing story of the gun in Betty Lou's handbag. Turning now to our Betty Lou handbag correspondent, Dan McCoy, who brings us this further development of the story. Dan? Hey, guys, you know what else? You know who else is in this movie? Not, not only uh, is Meatloaf in it, but Catherine Keener is in the gun and Betty Lou's handbag. <laughs> More top shelf acting talent <laughs> in this film. You heard it here first. Day two in Betty's Betty Lou's hand, gun bag handbag <laughs> gate. Uh, Dan McCoy will bring us, I'm sure, more developments as we get rid- get get through the story of this movie from what year, Dan? <laughs> um, uh, that movie would be from 1992. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of moving developments in the story of this 29 year old movie. Uh, we'll be back with more probably later in the broadcast. We'll have to tell our affiliates that we're going late tonight with this episode of the Flophouse in case there are wait, any wait, more hold on before you get back. Uh, no, wait, I'm getting wait, okay, I'm getting further word that Dan McCoy has some new developments. Uh, Dan, bring it to us. Famous uh, musical producer Adam Shankman is also in uh, in the gun and Betty Lou's handbag. Uh, and it seems like we're reaching real diminishing returns with the story yeah. of the gun and Betty Lou's handbag. Well, hold on, wait, hold on. Frank Welker does a voice. How about that? <laughs> wait, he does, a voice? he does a voice. He does a voice in every movie. It'd be more impressive if Frank Welker did not appear in the film. He's a, got a huge filmography. Uh, there's one person on Twitter who continues to ask me about Frank Welker, and I'm not sure why. Uh, <laughs> Why does he just do a voice? Is there like a puppet part of that movie? Uh, I mean, he's he's known as a voice actor, but I mean, I mean, he might have done an animal sound effect. He does a lot of animal sounds. He the gun. He might have Scarlet's done the gun vocal sounds. is what he's credited as. What is Scarlet's vo- vocal. Well, I mean, he does a lot of ADR. Uh, yeah, but right. well, I if I knew Frank, you know, if I know Frank Welker, known for doing a lot of animal sounds, Scarlet's vocal. 
I would uh, hazard a guess that perhaps the joke is that someone's singing voice sounds like an animal of some kind. Or perhaps Scarlet is a dog. Yes. Or an animal of some kind. <clears throat> yes. Well, I no. guess we'll just have to watch the movie to find out. <laughs> so stay tuned, folks. Uh, we'll be back later in the show as we watch all of The Gun and Betty Lou's Handbag live on the air. It's the only way to get to the story. Stick with us. We're the only network covering this ongoing story of the 1992 <laughs> cult, cla- cult favorite? I don't know how you describe it exactly. Sleeper hit doesn't quite, it seems a bit much. The Gun and Betty Lou's Handbag. I remember enjoying it on VHS at the time, but I don't think it was popular at all. Dan McCoy raves, enjoyed it on VHS at the time. <laughs> That's on the poster. So yeah. join us for day three later on of the continuing story of the gun and Betty Lou's handbag. We now return to the flop house already in progress. Okay, so she reneges on her deal and uh, she is not going to uh, give him, she's not going to give him the, uh, or delete the information about his, uh, his past crimes. Uh, and then because he finds the bodies. Oh, has he already found the, does he find the bodies at this point? Yeah, did I feel he find like the freezer it. case at that point? I thought she said that that's why she took it, that's why she said she was going to kill him because she, she wasn't actually going to kill him, but then oh. he saw the bodies. I don't know. I feel like she's like struggling with whether or not she wants to kill him or not. And she stabs him with a broken martini glass and then selects a knife to murder him. Then they have this like wine and white sofa standoff scene where he's going to, he keeps threatening to pour wine on her white sofa. Well, and they, the whole joke of it is just them arguing whether it's a sofa or a couch, which, you know, I got to say, was not aware that that was a distinction Mm -hmm. in America. It's not used as as a distinction, but there is a distinction. A sofa has arms. So. Oh. oh, and a couch has tentacles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Couch has legs. That's why a couch, couch has legs. Uh, and so it has the, legs that go all the way up to the <coughs> place where you sit. <laughs> that's that's Hallie's new character of the vaguely creepy furniture salesman. <laughs> you should do that in your SNL audition. Okay, yeah. okay. Here's another thing you could put your butt on: a chair. <laughs> <laughs> so she stalks him around the house with a curling iron. They she beats him up a bunch. Uh, I think this is when he he finds the dead bodies right mm-hmm. in her in her basement. There's that uh, nunchuck scene where there's a really bad body double. So because they're mm-hmm. only filming below her neck, but mm-hmm. wearing this uh, expensive dress. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it, like I feel like you could see the Ninja Turtle costume underneath the dress. <laughs> <laughs> As she's playing with nunchucks. Um, so you're saying, so, wait, so it was a, they hired a Ninja Turtle as her body double? Michelangelo, the Ninja Turtle with nunchucks. Oh, yeah. The, party the only way to do it was to dress up as Michelangelo <laughs> to get in the character of someone who uses nunchucks. I mean, I think either one, I'm not, I'm not sure. They don't show above the shoulders, so there's a chance that it could just be a guy in a Michelangelo costume. It could be Michelangelo, the actual Ninja Turtle. It's always possible. You can't mm-hmm. rule it out. You can't prove, a, uh, prove something's negative in this case. <laughs> you can't. There's no way to prove it. They can't disprove um, something. So she, and she starts, so he finds her like, uh, her freezer full of dead bodies. And this is where she goes on this justification for all the people she's killed. Mm-hmm. And she's listing all, they they list like what, two dozen, maybe three dozen uh, different parts of different bodies. And she's explaining the crimes of each of the people she's killed. She's like uh, like Dexter, right? She's a killer killing yeah. other killers. Yep. Well, yep. This Dexter's is laboratory. One. There are many scenes in this where I'm like, okay, you're you're close to 
doing it. <laughs> you know, where I'm like, okay, I get it. It's kind of there. Like, because like for a long time, she just like rapid fire. It's rapid fire editing. She's explaining why she killed various people. And it's kind of funny, I would say. Or in a better movie, maybe I would find it funny. But it, then it has she the gets stru- to a- It has the structure and form of jokes. Yeah. Yes, but then she gets and there to a was point. Something, there was something that happened in the middle of it. What was it? It turns that, into a PSA about... It? That turns into a PSA about not leaving a dog in a hot car, that part. Mm-hmm. That was that, but also there was something else where he like made a funny noise or something. Well, there I don't know. I don't know about that, but I was going to say that the place where it like falls apart, like I think that the... PSA is good. I think the the repeating things is okay. Like, but then there's also a point where she's just like, that one was a Republican, like a crickets sound, and then this one was a Democrat. This like it it veers off the idea of like actual justifications to like her sort of winking at the audience, like remember Steve Mnuchin's my husband. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink, wink. Yeah, it's a uh, but, and that leads me to something I wanted to say before. Do you guys think Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory grew up to be Dexter, the serial killer from Dexter? Because they both have sisters. Yeah, you think so? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. That same 100%. casual disregard for human life. <laughs> yeah, and he had Allie it's like a flowers funny. for Algernon thing where he got dumber, so he lost his <laughs> yeah. ability to make cool inventions. I get it, and he gained a dark passenger. Okay, so yeah, I think that was the, when she says uh, that was a, she he, he was a Republican. It's like yeah, it's like you don't wait a minute. I'm not. It, it's one of the things where I'm like I'm trying to figure out what the what the purpose is of that moment, like because she is married to a Republican, like it's. And you know that, and it's, I don't know. I don't get the yeah. job. And it's around now, She's so she's chasing him around her house, and she also, he, like, drops his cell phone, and she opens it up. I guess he doesn't password protect his phone, which is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it comes automatic at this point. Like, I don't know yeah. if there is a phone you can just open up, and it goes straight to your to your text messages. Yeah, yeah, where he has he has uh, messages and, uh, and, like, thought pics from some lady that he's been texting with. Uh, and that does not... Uh, that does not make Catherine happy. Although she was already trying to kill him, I think she, this has given her additional fuel. That he well, also, also the fact that they just met the day before. Yeah, like she can't mm-hmm. really, yeah. she can't really get mad about messages he received before the before yesterday. But you can't explain, like you can't logically mm-hmm. explain jealousy, Elliot. It just yeah, happens. Chambers you of know? the human heart. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. The heart wants what it wants. Yeah. So they get yeah. they get in a in fight case, in the Steve living Manigin. room again, uh, and <laughs> in the fight she manages uh, a pretty impressive maneuver where she manages to fart directly in his face. Uh, wasn't expecting it to happen. <laughs> no, he's <laughs> gonna have to wonder if it's rage was- shit. <laughs> <laughs> you think she picked it up from Primal Rage? She just loved that game so much? Yes. She I, obviously loves gamers. Yeah. Or is it something that just happened in the filming and she said, no, leave it in? <laughs> <laughs> Steve says leave it in. Okay. So uh, then we find out that uh, they continue to talk. We find out that Tyler, in one of his previous griffs, had stolen her granny's life savings. A little part of me Whoa. is like, how is this such a big deal? Because she's yeah, got like so a, millions of dollars. What? Yeah, it's not like grand. Like, you know, she can she can share her money, right? There's not like a rule against sharing with granny. I don't know. Don't look at me. You can share know, with granny, share right? I'm not a granny lawyer. I don't know what what you can <laughs> legally can't. Is there a rule with against sharing with granny? <laughs> I, I'll look in my Airbud book and see what the rules say. <laughs> okay, I mean, I don't Air, trust Air, <laughs> Airbud's guide to laws that aren't in the rule book. <laughs> 
So they fight more. They chat. They tell jokes. Uh, he's <laughs> he runs away from her and he gets distracted by her fancy car and sports memorabilia garage. <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah. He's like, what? Uh, yeah. A signed basketball and a football and uh-huh. shoes? <laughs> and, <laughs> and fancy and cars? Like, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, she keeps attacking him. He keeps running, uh, running. But at the same time, he's like be, becoming more and more understanding. Like he clearly has a thing for her. He doesn't like, at first I was like, is he just trying to survive? I don't think so. I think he is trying to survive. And the only way he can do that is by convincing her to love him. Um, because without her, he'll die. Um, so they express their love and for each other. And possibly with her. I think that's true. They somewhere in there is where they do the Gotta we're so somehow. cute bit that yeah. was horrible. Um, oh, but also like this is <clears throat> this is way back. We we skipped. I don't know when it happened, but I referenced the uh, the the title, and the title is right. meant to be like me, you. It would be madness. Yeah, like that's yeah. the uh, idea. Yeah. Well, they have this bit, this cute bit we mentioned where he's like, we're the cutest. And she goes, we are the cutest. He's like, the cutie cutest. She's like, the cutie wootest. And it goes on forever. To to foodie cuties. mm -hmm. I mean, this literally sounds like something you would do, Elliot. But I would do it for the purpose of annoying people. (laughs) But it it reminds me of, uh, in a lot of of modern comedies. Okay. That's why it makes Elliot mad. I'm enjoying it then. He's really mad people. because he sees so much of himself in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that, I'm like the, the me in you madness was me <laughs> the whole time. But it it reminds me of a lot of like a lot of modern comedy movies. They'll improv a lot of different scenes and they'll be like, they're all funny. Put them all in. Put them yeah. all in. And this feels like that. But these people are not comedians, so it's like not funny. It's just put them all in. Put all <laughs> the dumb things in. The things yeah. that don't work and have funny. it be. Uh, two people talking about how cute they are, which everyone loves. Yeah, and have it happen in when you've just seen these people have the same basic conversation four times, and he's been <laughs> yeah. running at, around mm-hmm. being chased by her for forever, and we just want the movie to be over at this point. Yes. You know, unless so there's they, new rooms in the house you're going to show me, which there are but not. But that's so much <laughs> of more it. Sports, it feels like the, sign stuff. Yeah, or more sign stuff, yeah. yeah. Elliot's like, I'm thinking of renting this house, please. Please, go behind that that one door that you haven't opened yet. Yeah, pl- yeah. I want, the, I want the walkthrough. I just, I just thought of a joke that I should have pitched when I was in the uh, the punch-up room for Me, You, Madness. Uh-huh. Uh, I forgot to tell you guys, I, I was in the punch-up room for this one. Oh, wow. the, uh, is that the sports memorabilia, <laughs> she also should have had now, a is horse's... it fucked up that you're doing a podcast yeah, about it now? Or? I mean, yeah. I've, I've heard of more unethical things. Anyway, so <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, she should have had a case with, a, with a, like, uh, the bottom of a horse's leg cut off and on the hoof it would be signed Secretariat and she has like one of the <laughs> secretaries who have signed by him. <laughs> Ultimate memorabilia that be, piece. That's a good so. joke. So, yeah. uh, they eventually run out of rooms and they, uh, have a final showdown outside by the pool. She has a crossbow. He has what? Like a little knife. Yeah. Knife. Uh, yeah. Like a butter knife. Yeah. She's like, at one point she's so excited that she's like fighting him with a curling iron. I think the movie really overstates the novelty of that as a, it wasn't a even weapon. on. Yeah. yeah, that's I don't know. That's the thing is it's not plugged in, so I don't know what you're gonna do with it. That's not just hitting somebody. Yeah, she's yeah. whacking yeah. him over the head. It's just a baton at that point. It, it might as it might as well be an old lady's umbrella at that point. <laughs> and I've seen it, people get whacked over the head with that. So, uh, and this oh, are, Dan's looking at here. his phone. Danny, any up, Dan? Any updates from uh, <laughs> okay, Betty Lou's handbag? I do have a good Betty Lou's handbag update. Does William Forsyth do anything for you? How about that? (laughs) Dynamically entertaining, heavyset U.S. actor with piercing eyes. This is IMDb's 
<laughs> yeah, Bill Forsyth. Yeah, really, sure. Okay. Really, Forsyth really churching him up a, a bit. A superb talent for playing some truly unlikable and downright nasty characters that dominate the films in which he appears! Exclamation point. So, uh, not not so much an update on the movie, the gun and his handbag, but on another an actor who's in it. Character actor William Forsyth. Okay, so uh, Catherine and Tyler express their love for each other. Uh, they end up together. We get a little bit of a flash forward. Uh, they decide to get married. They end up together, and they fix their lives. Yeah. They cease to be anything like their original characters. Uh, <sighs> they We get an update on their new routine, which sounds super fun. Uh, and... Uh, you get that same vibe whenever you see an, like a new couple, and you're like, "Just you wait until it goes to shit." <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and and it's very clear. She very clearly states that she's now on a cocktail of antipsychotic drugs, and that's how she can have this. That makes this sense. Life. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and during this, uh, the movie like made me like kind of the angriest at it when like there's like a little aside where it's just like about how now that she's healthy, she doesn't. You know, like, 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 hey, everyone, be nice to each other. Don't judge people for like whether like their political views or whatever. And like knowing who she is and like yes. when this was in production, like, like how she, you know, had gotten ridiculed. For, like, it's just like, hey, sure, everyone should endeavor to treat each other with a recognition of our common humanity, but also like. We don't dislike you for no reason. <laughs> like this is good. Yes, you've done a thing that, like, yeah, like that's the problem. Anyway, so whatever. <laughs> I'm not gonna. No, you're you're right. I'm not gonna rant against President uh, Sex Criminal and his uh-huh. cabinet. Yeah, I mean he's 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 out of office. So so, and then uh, as the credits roll, we get like a fun little montage of their future together. They have a baby. They raise the baby. I stopped kind of paying attention after a little while, so maybe the baby grows up or something. <laughs> Could be. It's just know. it's just assumed that they have a great life from that point on, and it's yeah. you kind of are waiting for the moment when it when Brazil style it's revealed this is all going on in her head as she <laughs> yes. sits in, in the bloody mess of this man she's killed. But uh-huh. I don't know. It just kind of it's just kind of the end of it. It's just kind of like yeah, every we, we, our love allowed me to uh, go into therapy and become a nice person, and now we're great well, and we're just rich. Well, well, and you know, I mean, like. The idea, in so much as this film has any ideas, I think, is that love of any kind is this leap of faith. And, like, a, a smarter, better movie, it's a great a great message. Me, you, Madness, it's like, what, what you're going to toss that in at the very end? I don't know. I don't know if you've earned having any sort of moral here. Well, so this, because here's what this movie feels like to me. It feels like a college film. This is the film that a college student makes, but it was made by a very rich, approaching middle-aged lady who is married to a government official. And so it's like, I don't know if after, at this point in life, you're allowed to make the kind of movie that like a junior in college would make, where it's so openly stealing from other people's movies and Let it's so messy. Let me check the Airbud rule book. Check the Airbud rule book. Can a, can, can, a, can, a, can a lady who should know better be making the same movie that like, a 19-year-old would make and be like, I'm saying a lot here. I'm being real edgy. I'm really saying stuff. And it's yeah. just nothing, you know? Yeah. I think, I mean, I think you can make it. I mean, I think she did. <laughs> I mean, she, clearly she did. She did. She got made. I mean, again, there's Guys, no law against it. But should there um, be? Before for we the pros, the- for saying there should be a law against middle-aged people making this kind of college student movie, Hallie Hagland. Hallie? Uh, I I actually, I mean, I, I guess I feel like I haven't thought through the political implications of what I really 
the impression I really went away with. But once I realized who she was, I was sort of like, yeah, like do this instead of all the other worst mm-hmm. things you could be doing <laughs> yeah, with your sure. power. That's true. Of all, of all the bad things Steve Mnuchin has done, producing crappy movies, which he's also done, is, is kind of the least bad thing. And yeah. I found it fascinating, like her determination and her weirdness and her mediocrity all combined it's like a very fascinating document of all that stuff of just like executing something and not being that good at it but putting everything you have into it i don't it was just like uh she you could tell how much she wanted it to be made and she cared about it and it was like it's weird to know something that personal about this woman yeah Yeah. it's a little bit like if the movie the queen of versailles was about making a movie instead of making if the women in that instead of building the biggest house in America had been making a movie like this is what it would have turned into yeah it's like yeah it's it's fascinating that this is like a, a very personal it seems document from this, this yeah lady, you know yeah well I I think we're in like let's go into final judgments I know it's not a, we not officially supposed to say this stuff until Dan calls final judgments which no, you know no, no, like, let's go into final judgments whether this is a good bad movie a bad, bad movie or a movie. Or if it's the gun and bag like. handbag. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'll get back to gun and buddy loose handbag in a second. But uh, oh, good. Please. <laughs> Shit. I feel like okay. I feel like I feel Should like I there's, still a, there's still a splinter of wood left in the bottom of that barrel. <laughs> but I, I wanted to say, like, I wanted to get into it because I think that I'm pretty simpatico with what what Hallie is saying right now, like in terms of my reaction to this, where there's part of me that almost enjoys the movie because like she so desperately wants to make it work. And like, I don't think like, I think her acting is by far the weakest part of all of it. But like, I think that there's ability there that you see in the movie where you're like, okay, well you got the idea for like this thing or that thing. And like, I could see where like, you know, and, and the fact that there's so much, like desire to make it work, like kind of makes me want to root for it. Other than the fact that I don't think I would like this person. And, (laughs) but that is like the, the part of it that gives it like interest. The fact that it's like, okay, let's look inside this person's mind. And the weird thing about it is it seems like it's, it wants to be satire, but the problem is she is in the group that she wants to be, satirizing so it is the equivalent of one of those saturday night live sketches where someone goes on and like tells some like mildly insulting jokes about themselves and like see i get it like i'm not so bad like yeah so anyway i uh, I mean uh, good bad movie but don't pay for it that's what i have to say that's the it's like my feelings about the movie are so separate from my it's hard to separate from it i always say you got to separate the art from the artist you know it's the only way i can watch certain movies because they were made by terrible people but uh, the in this one, it's so difficult, but it's also there are things in it where I'm like, if this was, there are parts of it where it feels a little bit like, if the, if John Waters was doing this scene, it would be the same exact scene. Like to have <laughs> to have a scene where it is so where she is sitting on the toilet, going to the bathroom, and watching a TV watching a TV screen in her bathroom that just has stock updates, and she's masturbating to it is like. As like on the nose, that kind of satire as you can get. In the hands of somebody else, I would have been like, that's a crazy scene. It totally works. But here it it doesn't really work. But part of that is because I know like you're saying, she is the person that she's satirizing, which means it's it's hard to take the movie as anything more at times where it felt like she was 
both trying to trying to curry favor with the world, being like, see, I get it. Rich people are bad, you know, but also that she's trying to like rub your nose in the fact that she like, there's a part of me that where she's like, I can make a movie about how people like me are awful and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm telling you how awful we are and there's nothing you can do about yeah, it. Yeah, and we're going to get a happy ending at the end too. Yeah, and you know what? Because Suck I'm it. rich, I can do whatever I want. So it doesn't matter. You don't like, the ending is, is made me so mad for that reason where it was like, but I'm rich, so I get to be happy forever, you know? And it was, you know, anyway, so it's hard for me to take that from it. But honestly, the first six minutes of the movie, I was like, you know what? I'm into this movie. It's all neon, <laughs> it's all 80s synth music, and it's like super fast cut, and this lady's voice is very weird. And, you know, I, but then at a certain point, I was like, that, then it was when I was like, wait a minute, this is just American Psycho. And then she says, but I'm not ripping off American Psycho. And I was like, movie, forget it. You're, you're too aware of how crappy you are to get away with how crappy you are. But I would say it's a good, bad movie. Yeah, I feel like I had I feel like if this were if this were uh my friend who made this movie and I mm-hmm. saw it, I would have like a, an incredible generosity of spirit about it and yes, I would yeah. be like yeah. there was a lot of I don't know, there was like a lot of pretty good stuff in there, you know? It'll get like eventually <laughs> if they keep making movies, they'll get there. Figured, I mean, clear and it looks great. Like she hired professional people to make it. So right off the bat, it looks yeah. better than most independent vanity projects. Yeah. You know? But I also think, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like you're giving her too much credit for trying to make a statement about rich people or trying to be like in on the joke about rich people because she's like, if her past is any indication, she's like so lacking in self-awareness and, and like how she puts herself out there that I feel like the... The attempt, I don't know. I'm just like, I, I feel like I said it before, but like making this is so much better than like writing a memoir <laughs> where she's talking about how like, you know, she was uh, the object of, of desire for like, uh, you know, this African village where people wanted to kidnap her or whatever. Is that what the book is about? Yeah. It's about yeah. how she was in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's offensive. What? <laughs> ask, ask Lauren about it sometime. That's okay. where I got all my information about it. I will. It's, it's funny It seems stuff. like it's right up her alley. But it's, it does feel like it is. I guess you're right. It's, it feels like the way she kind of shows off how the stuff she's got is by making a movie about a killer who has the stuff she's got or something like that. I don't know. There's yeah. a, there's a certain there's a certain kind of like rich bad person glamour that there's a lot of yeah. in our media right now and I feel like the Kardashians are a lot of that too where it's a lot of like we're rich we're crazy we do whatever we want and we can do it because we're rich and we're not good people and like they uh, yeah. but I mean Maybe but I mean but I don't that think that they that. think they're bad I I don't know I feel like it was more of like you know you you sort of write the world that you know and so she was like let me imagine. Uh, you know, what's the craziest scenario I can come up with a, you know, with a very limited imagination? Well, this is the world I live in, like rich people that have all this nice stuff. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it does it help? Did you read the backstory about how she said she passed out in a hot car and had a vision of a Native American man telling her to make this movie? No. Wait, is that true? <laughs> it's something like that. Let me look it up real quick. What? Hold on. Okay, hold on. Stuart, I give, you, like, give your final Stuart, judgments your... and I'll look this up. So what I what I will say is, I mean they're clearly trying to make some kind of a satire. Like they're some of her like rich over the top, rich behavior is intended to be a joke, but I feel like that's, that's an example of somebody who's like, I know people just like this, Mm. not realizing that she herself is. Yeah, that's true. I bet that's, that's a good way to put it. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, uh, the people who made this movie are bad, but this movie is kind of a fun bad yeah, movie. It's sort of fascinating. It's well, I mean, if you can, kind if of you fascinating. Can, I feel like if you can separate it from the from the person, then this is a good one to watch with a group of people and be like, "What? Huh? That's yeah. crazy." Uh-huh. It's really the the problem. The thing that keeps it from being a good bad movie for me is that it's actually very boring to watch alone. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I feel like, the problem with a lot of good bad movies is that you you want to be able to turn to somebody on your couch, slap them on the arm, and say, "Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Get a load." Yeah. Elliot, did you find what you're looking for? This is according to the IMDb trivia. Louise Linton came up with the concept for Yumi Madness. Now, this calls it Yumi Madness, which is not the name of the movie. But uh, after falling asleep in a hot car following a trip to the pharmacy, (laughs) she described a Doors-like vision of an indigenous man telling her to make a movie about a girl boss serial killer. So she did. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I, I do have one final bulletin from uh, the gun and bull- Betty Lou's handbag. <laughs> Let's have it. Back to, back to America's <laughs> Betty Lou gun handbag news center. Oh, I'm Elliot wow. Halen throwing <laughs> it down with who has another dropping. update for us. Hey, hey, hey did, you, did you happen to know that Academy Award nominee Kathy Moriarty was in the gun and <laughs> Betty Lou's handbag? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the bulletins keep coming in. I think we're going to be here all night. Uh, why don't we? Why don't we go back to your regularly scheduled program? And we'll just save up some of these bulletins and maybe wow, release Elliot, them all. Elliot's taking his tie off. <laughs> yeah, somebody put a pot of coffee on because something tells me the story of Betty Lou's handbags gun is not oh, over Elliot, yet. Elliot's texting his wife to put dinner in the leave dinner in the oven for him. He's not coming home till late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though he's at his own home. <laughs> Hello, I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And we host Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. Every week, we share media that made us who we are. Things like Archie Comics, Sailor Moon, and lots of Taylor Swift. And now that Riley's an adult, it comes with 100% more butts. And now I am totally comfortable with it. So check out new episodes of Still Buffering every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Butts, butts, butts. Join in, Riley. Butts, 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 Hi, I'm Joe Firestone. And I'm Manolo Moreno. And we host After Game Show, a podcast where listeners submit games and we play them regardless of quality with a dozen listeners from around the world. We've had folks call in from as far as Sweden, South Africa, and the Philippines. Here's an example. Uh, This is a game we've played called Cotton Candy Chicken Nuggets, where you have to sing any eight-syllable phrase to the tune of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You have an example, Manolo? Yeah, here's one. Little baby turkey turnips. Oh, nice. Thanks. Dr. Game Show has new episodes every other Wednesday on Maximum Fun. Check us out. Please. The Flophouse is sponsored in part by Magic Spoon. Now, if you've been trying to cut down on carbs or sugar, it might feel like you cannot eat anything anymore. Man, you're talking my language. Well, Magic Spoon has zero. You mean zero, you're talking your own language? My own language, which is English. Uh, Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein. 140 calories and only 4 net grams of carbs in each serving. It's 
keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. And in uh, if you get the variety pack, you got four flavors. You got your cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And look, they sent us uh, some samples of these things. Uh-huh, yeah. I, I have not eaten a lot of cereal since I was a kid because... Uh, it seemed like a, an easy thing that is not the most healthy to cut out, even though there are much more unhealthy things that I have continued to consume. But uh, uh-huh. I was very excited Jane's to get looking these at me for support right now. Cereals, <laughs> and uh, they, no, they, they they genuinely are delicious. I have very much enjoyed sampling the magic spoons. I like yeah, the frosted and the, frosted it, uh, and the it peanut ca- It like reminds me of uh, it. Kind of remind like took me back to when I was eating. Uh, when I was eating, you know, colorful cereals. More yeah, it's nice to be able to enjoy something that you may think of as sort of a, a childish treat and not feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to try some of these delicious cereals, again, I'm particularly fond of the frosted and the uh-huh. peanut butter. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, that. com <laughs> slash flop is the place to go to grab a variety pack and try it out today. And be sure to use our promo code flop at checkout to save five dollars off of your order and magic spoon is so confident in their product it is backed with a 100 percent happiness guarantee so if you don't like it for any reason they'll refund your money no questions asked now that that 100 happiness guarantee again is related to the to the the cereal happiness of the cereal yeah you just want want, like your own personal happiness that's another issue uh, but uh, if you uh, you can get your next delicious bowl of cereal at magicspoon.com slash flop and use the code flop to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Elliot, your turn. Speaking of your personal happiness in a non-cereal sense, uh, we are also sponsored in part by BetterHelp Online Therapy. And this is an ad for BetterHelp with a P, therapy. Uh, look, it doesn't matter who you are or what you have in your life life can be stressful. As we saw even for Louise Linton, life is apparently uh, stressful at times and she just Mm -hmm. needs to make a movie to get out of her system. Uh, You may be feeling depressed right now or you may not. You may just be feeling down or you may not. You may feel like you kind of don't know what's going on. I know that sometimes I get very stressed and rather than feeling what you would call a uh, even an emotion, it just becomes kind of a cloud or a mist between me and the rest of the world. Uh, and it's something that I have trouble getting through on my own. And the only way I can get it through is to kind of unload it and get it out by talking, talking to somebody who is not a part of my life, someone who I know will can talk to me in an unbiased way and listen in an unbiased way, someone who doesn't have a stake in me and so isn't going to judge me or take sides or anything. It's just very helpful. And a lot of people who have never tried it before, I think will be surprised by it. Now, uh, I have, again, not used BetterHelp's specific therapist, but I have used therapy many times to get through these kind of gray times, these kind of like uh, descending fogs, you know. Uh, and BetterHelp, if you've never used therapy before, it might be a good way to go into it. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. Uh, whatever is the method you feel most comfortable in reaching out to someone, it's more affordable than in-person therapy. And at this point, you might feel more comfortable doing it than in-person therapy, sharing a room with somebody. See if it's for you. Uh, we're sponsored by BetterHelp, and Flophouse listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com flop. Have your first session in under 48 hours and 10% off your first month. 
at B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P, as in please help me, dot com slash flop. Uh, And again, cannot say enough. uh, If you feel the need to talk to somebody, then feel that need. Do uh, it. And you have to do it. There's no, there's, there's no, the only downside is that you might be like, okay, well, I got it off my chest at least. There's no, you know, there's nothing that hurts from, from getting out the thing that might be bothering you and whatever way you choose to do it, it's good and it will help you and is worth doing. So why not try it with betterhelp.com slash flop? And if that's not the way that works best for you, find another way to do it. I think it'll help you out. Stuart? Yeah, we've addressed your serial happiness needs and your non-serial happiness needs. Stuart, I believe you have a <laughs> Jumbotron. J-j-j-jumbotron! Okay, speaking of happiness, happy anniversary! This is a message for Lev, and this is from Gene. We've been married nine whole years. That's almost a decade of dog and rabbit rabbit shenanigans. <laughs> cooking experiments, and road trips in questionable roadside motels. And, of course, movie nights! From Bloodsport to My Octopus Teacher. (laughs) The whole movie can, yeah. Uh, You've never led me astray. I'm looking forward to the next nine years and beyond. Oh, that's adorable. So that's serial happiness, the rest of your life happiness, and relationship happiness we did it guys the happiness trifecta all of them uh la do you have anything to plug uh nothing in particular to talk about except uh the show i wrote for on fox housebroken continues monday nights at nine o'clock on fox let's check your local fox affiliate if you like dogs telling jokes and i don't know why you wouldn't then watch this show it's called housebroken and of course maniac new york uh, my comic book with Andre Moody from Aftershock Comics. It's on comic book stores now. The trade paperback will be coming out later this year, but if you just can't wait, pick up those single issues. Get the floppies. Yeah, and I'm gonna, uh, I'd am gonna. i like to promote uh, my wife has been doing a podcast these last few months. Uh, I think she has almost 25 episodes, more now. Uh, it's called I Know the Owner, and it is a, a longtime bartender bar owner talking to other uh, bartenders and bar owners uh, about bar stuff. Uh, And it's fun conversations. And if you've been missing uh, that kind of a, that kind of like the, the sound or feel of having a uh, conversation in a bar, uh, this might bring you back and, and or shed some light on the industry a little bit. Uh, I am a, let's say frequent uh, guest. Uh, So if you're not tired of me yet, uh, maybe you can test that. (laughs) So check it out, I Know the Owner, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, sometimes we get letters from listeners like you. What? Here's some of them. It's mailbag madness. That's a great, yeah, that's a good one. Here's some of them, yeah. Here's some of them. My catchphrase. This is from uh, (laughs) Liz last I carry jelly beans in my pocket. Here's some of them. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, Dan kneels down and takes off his shoe. I have ten toes. Here's some of them. Half of them, to be precise. Liz, last name withheld, writes, Hello, and thank you for years of laughs. I'm writing to recommend a movie to flop, perhaps with rom-com special guest Hallie. <gasps> After years of my Catholic husband showing me all the Christmas movies I missed as a kid, we set out to find a Hanukkah movie this year. 
Perhaps something we could one day show our interfaith daughter? We failed miserably, but the most spectacular fail- failure of all was mistletoe and menorahs. I realize Lifetime movies are super easy targets, but it would truly delight me to watch Elliot take on a movie containing the line, Hanukkah is so random. Wait, Wait what? Is there's Lacey nothing Charbert random about Hanukkah. That? Wait, there's reasons what? behind everything in Hanukkah. Who's in that? Is Lacey Charbert in that? Yeah. Uh, I can only assume. I, I can, yeah, she wait, does a lot on. of those, right? <laughs> I got a. <laughs> Uh, I, I was hoping that my gut in, gut in Betty Lou's handbag. Yeah, he's got his, his IMDb <laughs> accounts news center right now. <laughs> it's called it's called I M G I B L H B D B dot com. Internet movie gun in Betty Lou's handbag. and menorahs. Uh, I was hoping this will t- Kelly Jackal and from Day of the Jackal Epstein. Jekyll. I was hoping that Mistletoe and Menorahs would be a buddy cop movie. Oh, uh, yeah, I haven't seen this. In contrast to The Gun in Betty Lou's Handbag, I recognize none of the names in this cast. (laughs) Wait, Julianne Moore is in this. (laughs) What? Okay, anyway, um, so paragraph two, the final paragraph of this letter goes like this. (laughs) Paragraph two, the final paragraph. The saga concludes. Alternatively, I'd also be thrilled to get any recommendations from Elliot on a less food fight esque, borderline anti Semitic movie for Hanukkah to ba- balance out all of the Christmas stuff my daughter, who is taken to dancing to your theme song, we send a video, will be consuming. Thanks and stay healthy, Liz. Well, uh, Die Hard is a popular Hanukkah movie, right? Uh-huh. A, a lot of people don't realize that Die Hard is a Hanukkah movie because it takes place around the same time of year as Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, here's I'm gonna look. I'm gonna break it down, and I would love to be proven wrong by our listeners if they want to tweet at me or email me uh, or send a letter to Dan's house at Dan McCoy, one two three Fake Street, Brooklyn, New York, uh, zip code. Uh, there are no good Hanukkah movies. There's like there's like Eight Crazy Nights. No, thank you. And there's like. Um, uh, oh, there's another dumb one, but there's there's really nothing good. There's no and uh, Mel Gibson never made that Maccabees movie that he was gonna make. So there's really no good Hanukkah movies. So here's what I would tell you to do: just watch the first half of Fiddler on the Roof, go right through the wedding, and the minute you see those Cossacks torches in the distance, you turn that movie off because it gets mm-hmm. sad from that point on. So that's what you do: you watch the first half of Fiddler on the Roof. That's as Jewish as movies get. Now I know. This is a very specific Jewish experience. It is kind of romanticized Eastern European shtetl Ashkenazi Judaism. Maybe you're Syrian Jews or Spanish Jews. It, it's not the same thing uh, as Ashkenazi Jewish. That's okay. Look, there's not a lot of movies for you either. So just start with this one. Uh, watch the first half of that because most other Jewish movies are either an American tale or very sad. So I would say uh, just watch the first half. What's wrong of with an American tale? That's why. Yeah, I just watch with- watch a serious man. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Watch, yeah, watch a serious man it grapples with Jewish issues in a way that I found interesting, but my wife did not care for. Maybe because, as she put it, every Jewish woman in the movie is a shrew, but and the only cool Jewish, the only cool woman is the non-Jewish woman. But anyway, uh, just watch the first half of Filler on the Roof, uh, and then when it's time for the uh, sad holidays, Yom Kippur, and so forth, you watch the second half of the movie. That's uh-huh. what we do in my house. Uh, but I don't know what for Hanukkah. I don't know what I'm going to show my kids right now. They're just obsessed with the Nightmare Before Christmas, which means we're singing a lot of Christmas E songs, but they're also mm. Halloween songs. So I don't know what to tell you. Interfaith, as yeah, interfaith, both says. Christmas and Halloween. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm-hmm. This uh, second and final letter 
is a is a very sweet letter. Um, I will. It's from Fletcher, last name withheld, who writes, "Ahoy, floppers! Your surprisingly soothing show has been my constant companion through months of working alone from home." Between Elliot's melodies, Dan's size, and Stuart's audible handsomeness, you've saved me from endless hours of doom-scrolling and anxiety. I'm usually content to listen passively, but episode 337, Tom and Jerry, compelled me to write. The final minutes of that episode included both a a riff on Jerry Orbach's famously donated eyes... And a recommendation. Have to listen to the episode. I don't remember anything about us talking about that. <laughs> and a recommendation of the organ theft comedy slash horror movie, Twelve Hour Shift. Through my medical adjacent job, I've met many people who are alive today because of transplants. I was wondering if you might take a moment to tell your listeners about the importance of organ, eye, and tissue donation. Flophouse completists already know that Dan's knee benefited benefited from an ACL <laughs> tissue transplant. That's true. They may not know. That there were more than 39,000 life-saving organ transplants in the U.S. last year, or that more than 80,000 people have their sight restored with cornea transplants each year. The positive effects of these transplants isn't limited to the recipients. Their families and communities benefit from the health and healing made possible by the generosity of donors. A single person can save up to eight lives through organ donation and improve many more through tissue donation. With bad, bad movies like Seven Pounds out there, we need to share good information. Thanks, and keep on flopping. Fletcher, last name withheld. More transplant information and a donor registry form are online at donatelife.net. So, not the most hilarious of letters, but a important I don't know. Message. You read it with, like, a certain panache. A it was pretty zeal, funny. Yeah. Uh- We'll just throw some Hanna-Barbera sound effects on there, and I think Uh it'll it'll work out okay. Even though that's a great message. I'm happy to stand behind, as I'm sure you guys all are, to stand behind the call for organ donation. Look, you're dead. You don't need that stuff. Give it to somebody Mm -hmm. who can use it. That's what I say. Yeah, Mm -hmm. maybe you were shot with the gun in Betty Lou's (laughs) campaign. A movie that uh, Xander Berkeley was in. You you may recognize him nope. from uh, Terminator 2. Oh, wait. Todd Voigt. He played Agent Gibbs in Air Force One. Okay. <laughs> if you were shot uh, by said, uh, said gun and you need a, an organ transplant, you would be yeah. glad to get one. <laughs> You're right. Thanks for looking at me when you said that. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, because Stuart was about to say that he didn't want any, but you're right. No. He, yep. he would be very happy to get one. I, I, don't, I don't want any, he said. Take it and go. Uh, oh, such nice letters. Uh, what's the next part of this podcast, Annie? Uh, the next part is where Guys, we recommend. Guys, what if the movie was called? The gum in Betty Lou's hand. I guess there's it, it, it doesn't raise as many questions as the gum. Yeah. I guess what flavor gum? Sure. Is is it wrapped or is it ABC gum? Mmm, gross. Uh, just have a, have an old plug of gum sitting in your bag at the bottom. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, what if it was the bag in Betty Lou's hand gum? How did she fit it in there? Uh huh. Good, good questions. All the 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 last segment. What oh, if okay. it was the Betty Lou in the guns handbag? <laughs> That's a good what question. If, <laughs> Marvel's what if? 
<laughs> I'm Uatu, the Watcher. I see all different realities. We all know the world where Betty Lou had a gun in her handbag, but what if the gun had Betty Lou in the handbag? It might go a little something like this. Would it have taken away some of the gravitas of the Watcher if he had been like, but what if Daredevil had not lost his sight? I think it would go a little something like this. And then for some reason he just does a, a Jack Nicholson impression every time. <laughs> yep. What if Jack Nicholson had been bitten by the radioactive spider? I think it would go a little something like this. I'm Spider Nicholson. I got the proportionate strength of a spider. Yeah. Wait till they get a load of me and my spider strength. I'm, uh, I'm, yeah. Whew. Uh, recommendations. Recommendations of movies. That's our last segment. And uh, speaking of Marvel, it's not the most creative recommendation, but I went out and saw Black Widow, and I just want to say, because I feel like it's been getting kind of more mixed reviews overall, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I thought that it was interesting to see uh, a slightly more sort of human emotion-based Marvel movie, and uh, it was a movie that I think weirdly dealt with uh trauma and gave that character a lot more depth than she had been uh given in in the previous films and i enjoyed it a lot i thought the i thought all the supporting casts uh david harbour florence Pugh, and rachel weiss were also uh both very funny and sort of weirdly heartbreaking and so i enjoyed it uh black widow uh stewart why don't you recommend something yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm going to recommend a movie uh, that I saw the other day. Um, it is a horror comedy. I don't know. I think I rented it. Um, uh, I think it's in playing in select theaters now. It's a movie called Werewolves Within. Uh, it is a movie about a small uh, rural town uh, that is plagued with a werewolf problem. And uh, it's got a lot of energy. It's fun. It kind of reminds me a little bit of um, some of the energy you get out of the uh, the, the Cornetto trilogy. And the leads are all, are all great. Uh, it stars Sam Richardson, who's very funny and charming. And uh, uh, her name I will butcher is Melania Vaintraub. Mm-hmm. Who um, who you would recognize if you were low key googling girl from AT and T commercial? Yeah, um, and they're both uh, <laughs> they're both very good in it and a lot How of. How would you high key Google that? Would you, you would tell people on a podcast that you're googling okay. it, <laughs> as opposed to like <laughs> trying to be sneaky about it. That's uh, uh, Josh Rubin directed that. I liked his last movie before this, Scare Me, which is on Shutter, I think. Oh, I gotta watch that one. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Uh, I'll recommend some movies unless, Hallie, you want to go first. No, go for it. Guys, it's that time again. When I come to the end of the Check New Wave package at the Criterion Channel, I'm going to do two movies just so we can wrap up the uh, Check New Wave package because I know I've recommended a lot of Check New Wave movies. Uh, Two that I really liked a lot. One was called The Ear. Uh, It is about a politician uh, who believes that he has now gotten on the bad side of the ruling Communist Party uh, and is it all takes place over one night where he and his wife uh, are having an argument after a political – after a party that they went to that was full of political figures and he comes to believe that he is uh, – has been marked for arrest and imprisonment just as a political uh, – 
just for being on the wrong side of a report about a brick-making factory, I think, and comes to believe that everywhere in his house are surveillance things listening to him. Uh, and I thought it was really good and very tense and uh, just reminded me how terrible it was to be uh, living under communism in those countries. Uh, that's directed by Carol Kachanya, I think is the name, uh, how it's pronounced. The other movie I recommend is called Diamonds of the Night. It was directed by Jan Nemec and is about two young boys who have escaped from a train taking them to the concentration camps during World War II. And it is a kind of very stream of consciousness and very poetic and kind of beautiful at times uh, movie of them running away and just what's going through their minds and the experience of uh, running, being kind of escaping into the woods and uh, being eventually chased by a, by a group of very elderly hunters who have been tasked with bringing them down. Uh, and so both of those I thought were really good. They're both somewhat chilling and yet have their moments of uh, of lyricalness. There's Diamonds of the Night and The Ear. And with that, I bid a fond farewell to the Czech New Wave uh, package on the Criterion Channel. Who knows what Criterion Channel packages uh, collections I will bring up next time. Hallie, what would you like to recommend? Um, well, have you guys seen that? French movie, A Very Curious Girl. It's from like it's from the sixties. I think in French it's called La Fiancée du Pirate or something. The <laughs> Pirate's Fiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 a lot of fun. You know, just sort of randomly watched it one night, also off Criterion. Uh, it's about a woman who is, you know, it lives in poverty in this village and is treated like shit by everyone in the village. And then her mother dies and she decides to uh, become a prostitute and uh, get revenge on everyone in the town. Um, and it is was just surprising lot of fun. I also had a question for you guys. Have uh-huh. have any of you guys seen the movie um, Shoot the Moon? No. Uh, yes. Uh, does that have like Sean Penn in it or like? No, it's 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 Diane Keaton and Albert Finney. Oh no, I'm thinking of a different movie. No, I haven't seen that. Okay. You're thinking of Carlito's Way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dan is thinking of the gun in Betty Lou's handbag. We know what movie Dan is thinking about. <laughs> Well, I watched this movie the other day by myself, and I really wished I had watched it with someone else because I had no idea what I was supposed to take away from it. Mm-hmm. It ends with a very dramatic and violent scene uh, that was, I think, supposed to send me away with a message uh, that I am at a loss for, and I uh, read all the old reviews of it, and they didn't seem to clarify. So if anyone knows what the <laughs> hell this movie was about, and uh, let me know. Okay, get in touch with Hallie if you've okay. got if you've got answers about Shoot the Moon. I haven't seen it, but I guess now I have to watch it. Yeah, you should. And tell me what you think. Okay, in our new podcast, Shoot the What, hosted <laughs> Shoot by Hallie Hagman and Ellie Kaman. in it. Yeah, I think he's mm. the he's a he's kind of a hunk, right? And Karen Allen. Oh, yeah. yeah, Peter Weller's more than a hunk. He's a Robocop. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he is. More than a hunk. A that was the original That's subtitle of uh, RoboCop. <laughs> he is more than a hunk. They, he goes, they, they changed it to, uh, to what was it, half man, half robot, all cop. But uh, uh, they, for a while it was just, he's more than a hunk. He's a RoboCop. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, we're not really feeling like this is getting at the tone of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, guys, what a pleasure to... <laughs> Talk about me, you madness, mm-hmm. with all of you, and to be in two rooms. Yeah, yeah. Feel the real energy, you know. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know why you laugh at that. I'm just gonna. This is a creepy way to put it. As always, uh, hey, uh, why don't you go over to maximumfun.org, check out the other podcasts there. They're our network. They're very nice to us. They help us uh, get advertisers and money and all sorts of things. And uh, I want to thank Alex Smith, our new editor, uh, Stuart's uh, good friend of many years, our good friend who has been on the podcast way back when uh, and does all the music for the Flop Tales. Uh, thank you, Alex, for rescuing me in particular. Uh, before I say my name, I just want to say that uh, in the Gun and Betty Lou's ha- handbag, uh, uh, you can see Paul Bates. Oh, Paul Bates, who you might recognize from coming to America and coming to America, both. Uh, but I, uh, I, I, I've been Dan McCoy, and uh, y'all. Oh, uh, I guess I'm Stuart Wellington. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It means a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Elliot Kalen. I'm amazed Dan didn't mention that Stanley Tucci has an uncredited role in the Gun and Betty Lou's handbag. What? According to Wikipedia, yeah. and oh, joining man, us I has bet he been. looks incredible. I'm Hallie Hagland with your top p- hit podcast. <laughs> and nailed it. On this episode, we discuss Me, You, Madness. The first ever movie to feature a secretary of the treasury's wife's butt. Sorry, Mrs. Albert Gallatin. Let me just make sure that I got Galbert, uh, Gallatin's first name right. Yeah, you don't want to be called out for that blunder. Okay, yeah, there you go. Albert Gallatin. Great. Well, got it right. Al, Al, Abraham Alphonse Albert. Uh, but he went by Albert. Okay. okay. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.